Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Craig. What's Hi, everybody. Up, Craig? Hi, Craig. <laughs> Welcome to the Brew Radio podcast. Up for, I mean, it's kind of a trip for me because when it's the morning like this, it's you know, like it's the first of February for me, but I think it's like the thirty first of January for y'all. <laughs> um, whoever's doing the dates can figure it out but welcome to the 31st of january slash first of february episode of roundup in the broom radio where i guess like i would like to say that we usually round up things which have been happening in the broom in the past week but i feel like um sometimes that's not true and I, re- <laughs> I don't really know what it's going to be like today despite having pin some stuff to talk about but um yeah you don't I guess want I... predictions <laughs> oh yeah the predictions have been going off mostly because i've been like dropping reads about people and, and y'all have been confirming them. <laughs> <laughs> wait what reads oh you know just like reads about like childhood conditioning and trauma just stuff like that <laughs> casual <laughs> Um, and they, yeah, hopefully y'all aren't just like affirming them due to my reading of them, but, um, what are you going to do? Um, how y'all doing this week? Doing well. I've been enjoying your reads among other things in the room, obviously. Um, I feel like this week has personally felt longer for me than it has been. Like I kept wanting to say like, or feeling like today was Venus day, knowing that it was Mercury day. So, mm. you know, time is Same. time is doing that little thing it does again. Yeah, I was saying earlier that it feels like only like a couple of days since the last roundup when we were talking about like cult allegations and stuff. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, that feels, it feels like a long time ago for me personally because I was in a different location, though. Yeah. So that it literally feels like months ago. Wow. <laughs> I like was I even in the same reality? No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> I'll say like the transition between like being in Dublin and then like being home is like kind of has me like in whiplash a little bit (laughs) yeah it feels very surreal i i sort of like underestimated like how polarized those experiences would feel Mm -hmm. what aspects of it do you feel like i'm most polarizing or polarized to you right now Mm. just like from going around like going from like being able to be around a lot of people to like not Mm -hmm. is really it's pretty intense yeah that's kind of what i was thinking too Mm -hmm. i won't take it to predictions because i didn't say (laughs) 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 i mean it's not like i didn't know that that would be the case but i i guess i sort of like i don't know it's interesting (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also like continental shift. Like you went from one continent <laughs> to another too, which I just oh, yeah. I can imagine like trips up the meridians. 
of time. Oof, meridians of time. <laughs> what a great It's like the sequel to Days of Our Lives. <laughs> that was actually passions, but I'm not gonna go too hard. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I never got into passions actually. I just heard about it. Mm -hmm. I'm oh. kind of glad that my grandma didn't get into it. But... Was she's it like her, that generation? Cause like my mom was really into it. So I don't know if she like um, got on the bandwagon later. <laughs> I don't know. I, my, I think my grandma's still watching Days of Our Lives and the Bold and the Beautiful. And still, she's still screaming at the <laughs> characters who are still finding ways to cheat on their parents or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Great synopsis, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Timeless. Um, how is, I guess we've been talking about, like, the Mercury-Mars conjunction, and I'm kind of curious how that's been going. Oh, yeah. Oh. Man, it feels like talk about it, be about it kind of energetic climate right now. And I'm curious if that tracks for y'all. Definitely interesting. Yeah, I was thinking about Mercury because of what Anna said about polarity. And, um, oh. Yeah. I think like Mercury is like ruling tropical Gemini and Virgo. I mean, I think Gemini and Virgo in themselves are pretty polarized. But then I'd say like Gemini kind of relates to like polarity most strongly for me. But then I also I feel like what's that? Oh, I'm just I'm like I didn't even I wouldn't have made that association. So that's really interesting. Go on. Yeah, and then I guess like, um, I think like they're both kind of like polarized within the same wheelhouse of like I think somebody called it symbolic memory on Twitter at some point. Mm -hmm. In a way, we made it into the broom. So, like, you know, there's been a lot, you know, for some reason, for the first time this week, Lexi started the numerology thread. And that feels, like, really material to me. Oh. A what thread? Numerology. Word. Okay, I need to get tagged in that. Sorry, I didn't even know about that. Thank you, Lexi. <laughs> I couldn't believe we didn't have a numerology thread already. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that feels pretty mercurial. And I guess I'm kind of thinking about like Mars and Capricorn, which is like Saturn ruled. And, you know, for me, the relationship between Mars and Saturn is always like really interesting. And also the relationship between Mercury and Saturn is pretty interesting because, you know, like Mars day goes into Saturn night, which goes into Mercury day. Or you could say, like, Mars night of Venus day goes into Saturn day, which goes into Mercury night of Saturn day. So, like, I feel like they're kind of, like, in some ways, I mean, we've been talking a little bit about, like, family systems and vibes, right? But I think yeah. in some ways, they're all, it's like three, three, let's say, like, brothers for now. Yeah. They're like male-coded in the tropical astrology, agricultural, and they're kind of, like, not 
but you know, like they're kind of prickly with each other for me at least. I'd say that tracks, yeah. And then, yeah, like Saturn's been, in, it's, you know, it's in Pisces, it'll be in Pisces for a while, but I think I've been having some conversations about, um, you know, the diaphanousness of boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't know, I don't, I don't really feel like Mercury is like great about boundaries. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't, that doesn't, when I think about boundaries, I wouldn't associate that with like a mercurial trait. I would feel like the, the prying or like the sloughing away of boundaries is what Mercury's like really good at. So it's like, yeah, sorry, go on. But if anyone else wants that too, yeah. And then I think like, yeah, Mars of that triumvirate is sort of like, well, I think like egregorically Mars sort of like, loves boundaries in the sense that like it's just like okay like give me the parameters of my work and i'm just gonna like you know build away or whatever um but i also feel like um you know mars is also known for like breaking through boundaries when like there's a pressure build up or something or like mm -hmm. so when mercury and mars are in conjunction in the saturn ruled sign again tropically um yeah, I wonder how that reflects on y'all's experiences with regard to maybe like testing or pushing or breaking through boundaries. Or maybe like even dissolving them in like a Piscean type of way. Julie says, I'd also like to add that in sidereal astro, Mercury, Venus, and Mars are in Sag. Yeah. I also feel that kind of like fire. Um, do you want to say more about how like tropical and sidereal tend to like interact for you, Julie, or like how they tend to be interacting for you now? It's funny how everybody went silent. I was like, did I get disconnected? Because I've definitely been experiencing internet issues. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I was I was holding <laughs> space too, because I was kind of giggling in the background. But I'm I'm curious how this conjunction is yeah, working for y'all. Or not working. I don't know. Sweet, I should do that more often. Do what? Hold space. <laughs> Like you never do it, okay. <laughs> I mean, my voice is a little bit hoarse from quoting field tuning like 11 times yesterday. <laughs> I woke up with like 20 notifications this morning. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> no, maybe, I appreciate it. Maybe that was Mars and Mercury for me yesterday. Um, <laughs> I've been like meditating on uh, your drawer of the, I was going to say sick fox, but it was like, technically the spirit fox and i don't mean sick as in like ill i don't mean ill as in illmatic i mean like sick no i mean sick as in illmatic 
<laughs> oh my god! But yeah, it was, it was it was a strong draw. I mean, I've been working with Kitsune or like the Celestial Foxes, as they call them, in like Shinto and Taoist lineages for quite a while. Yeah, and I'll say like for me, it's always sort of been like sacrally oriented, mm-hmm. and um, uh-huh. you know, kind of, I you know, I think that often it kind of reconnects humans to like the animal grid of consciousness for me. Yeah. Um, and sort of like brings life for people who may be like stagnated or like kind of got a little crusty from trying to fit in with other people. But yeah. I also felt like um, your read on the spirit fox was kind of fresh as well. Um, so I've been meditating on that. Yeah, it's, and it's interesting because I started His Dark Materials recently, which I started a thread on in gallery. Um, and I think as I was like kind of, cause I do that like sometimes when I pull the cards, I think I've shared that where I'll like meditate on them after. And so I was like meditating and I was guided to meditate on the archetype of the Fox. And you, I do remember you kind of sharing that. I think I have that book in my Amazon wishlist um, about the celestial foxes. But all that to say is I was watching um, his dark materials and it's a show where like, People's demon, aka their daemon, aka their anima, is like uh, an animal that's like outside of them. And until people come of age, basically their animal can shapeshift. And I'm just going to say that without ruining too much of the show because it's way too bomb. But anyway, one of the characters had um, their daemon had experienced a vibe switch basically, and they were a fox, like a white fox. And I had saw you and um kate's interaction on twitter and i was like wow like this this is so par for the course and um yeah i do that does align like about uh foxes being uh connected to sacral energy because i think at some point during field tuning which you had mentioned too i was like yo i'm literally feeling like waves of energy through my sacral or like through the lens of my sacral and i was like wow this is powerful pretty cool Yeah, I, th- I feel like you also touched upon something I appreciate about like your divination containers is like not just reads, like there's actual like energy work happening. Um, yeah. Which I don't know if people necessarily get, but you know, like you were saying earlier today, like we were talking about, I'm kind of like tired of bending over to like try and help people get things. So <laughs> I'll just appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Because I guess we'll get to like the critique of it <laughs> later. <laughs> and I was just like, I mean, critiques are welcome, but it doesn't mean I'm going to do anything about it. But I actually did do something about one of the critiques because this week's field tuning was recorded as opposed to live, which of course I think has a different energy signature, but at the same time doesn't go without saying that you can offer energetic transmission through recorded material. And just as many people who don't know that that can happen live, I don't think they realize that when you re- when you like receive a recorded transmission, that it's still like a transmission. So, yeah, <laughs> in short. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of makes me think about like how people listen. Um, yeah, I was like tweeting earlier this week, like. 
um like the body's always listening like why can't mine <laughs> that part and um it just it feels really dry and kind of dusty to me when i kind of tune into it like i'm like sort of pinching and activating the area above my higher heart right now um mm -hmm. but yeah i've been kind of talking about that with a lot of people um i'll say yeah like regarding just sort of like living in the upper chakras and i think you know i would say like expending a lot of upper chakra energy trying to get the most out of the upper chakras and it kind of makes me think of it i don't know if y'all are like ever into like making computers or like overclocking have you heard of that it's like you kind of like do all these hacks to like make your existing computer faster Oh, yeah. you reduce the lifespan of it and i feel like that's like what i kind of feel like you know not just going on the collective right now but i feel like it's been like the norm for quite a while where people are just trying to optimize what's happening in their upper chakras um probably like unconsciously fearful of what would happen if they like dipped in and spent a significant amount of time in their bodies mm -hmm. um it makes me like quite sad to be real because i've you know i've spent significant amount of time in my life being that kind of person but then also you know having opened up and like taken on embodiment work very seriously like there's always going to be times where you find yourself kind of like running around circles in your upper chakras and <laughs> with that increased sensitivity and with that like contrast of what it can be like just to um you know flow in an embodied state i feel like it kind of like anchors that feeling of sadness for me a little bit. Um, yeah, and I think um, I was sort of talking with somebody yesterday about like the difference between sort of living, I'll say, in a state where you're kind of like deciding and then, you know, trying to like look at like what the consequences of your decisions are and then make another decision and then look at the consequences it yeah like i i would want for everybody to experience what it's like to spend most of their time just sort of doing and observing at the same time you know because i think that you know speaking of polarities i think that shift between like doing something and then you know sort of not only observing but sort of logically or formally categorizing one's experience is really difficult and really taxing for a lot of people but i'm kind of curious if that kind of lands for you all <laughs> mm. going back to tropical and sidereal julie says i'm usually able to see the same patterns that are drawn in tropical astro and sidereal but in different planets i find the same thing and it makes me kind of it kind of i i'm really interested in that kind of line of reasoning because i think a lot of people who are pretty i'd say like we're skeptical you know, continue to think about astrology as, um, you know, almost like I think the way that most people think about art therapy, right? Which is that, like, you look at things 
and then you find the reflection which you assemble from the symbolic material that you're looking at rather than believing that there's actually something i want to say like intrinsic and externally conscious about like you know what some people call the music of the spheres mm-hmm. um but yeah i think i think that the pattern that julie's talking about um makes a lot of sense and i think it also contributes to like the reinforcement of tropical astrology um which you know like my stance on tropical and sidereal is really more like tropical astrology has an influence which we should be aware of or like i wouldn't say should or i shouldn't say should (laughs) but i'll say um it pays to be aware of but i also feel like for me at least like my stance towards tropical astrology is mostly about being aware of it so i can be free of it whereas i feel like this dynamic where people are able to see patterns which i think like emanate intrinsically from um you know a sidereal as in like what's actually in the sky and where and how is it aspecting um I feel like when people attribute to tropical astrology, it like reinforces those egregores for me, which, um, yeah, I'd say it's like etymologically unfortunate in my experience. I think like the good thing about talking about conjunctions and stuff though is that they happen in both tropical and sidereal astrology. Mm-hmm. That's what I was kind of feeling into, like how um even like the um crescendo you had mentioned earlier about how like the days or the planetary rulers of the days correspond to like night rulers and how they like carry one another into the day and the night like and what julie and within combination of what julie's saying i'm like yeah there is like a particular Mm -hmm. like order of either ascension or descension and i'm wondering if that's true for you for sure who's oh hi (laughs) oh sorry did you have anything else to say no, 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 no. I was about to be like, wait, who was that? <laughs> that's me, Julie. Yeah, I feel like something that's been loud for me, too, was um, Pluto's ingress into tropical uh, Aquarius. Mm. And, like, how that's been talked a lot um, recently. But then, like, when you look at Sidereal, like, Pluto's only in six degrees Capricorn. So, and like it won't be for like another like 30 35 years until it gets to aquarius so that that really aligns with like how you're talking about like the planetary um hours or like days and like how they carry each other because i feel like that's like applicable to how tropical and sidereal interact with each other like what's coming mm. to mind is like yeah in a tropical like Pluto's in Aquarius, but like we still got work to do because 
that Pluto is still also inside your old Capricorn. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's like we're starting to get there, but, but mm. yeah, we, we still got work to do. Yeah, I guess the way I think about it is like, at least in the case of Pluto and Aquarius, is that um, I think most of the stuff that people are delineating when it comes to Pluto being in Aquarius relates to like human consciousness, which I would say is like very much bound up in, um, yeah, not only like uh, tropical astrology worship or reverence, but also like sun worship, right? And I think like a big part of like um, the staying power of the tropical astrology egregore relates to the fact that you know, like our annual calendar, the Gregorian calendar, basically, um, is pinned to the tropical zodiac. So, I think, like, you know, this is like a good example for me where it makes sense to talk about things from a very like tropical lens because they mostly apply to like human affairs. Whereas I think that, like, you know, like going back to like foxes like foxes don't know anything about the tropical zodiac <laughs> so i'll say that they're more in touch with like sidereal astro like not even sidereal astrology like they're more in touch with what's happening in the cosmos you know? yeah um so yeah i don't know why we're going so hard on tropical versus sidereal but i guess maybe it's a mercury mask <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of curious if anybody has anything more to say about the Mercury Mars thing because I feel like um, just hearing y'all's exchange like click some things into place for me. So I'm like, say more if y'all want. Mm. And maybe I don't know. Maybe there is a question too about its relation to Pluto, if there is one. Mm. I mean, I feel like for me, when it comes to like verbal communication, I have been testing out boundaries a little more. Mm. And I guess I wonder, I mean, it feels like to me perhaps that like Pluto leaving Capricorn sort of did something for like Mercury and Mars. Mm -hmm. Um. I want to say, like, maybe, I don't know, I love Pluto, so it, it kind of, it, it's interesting for me to say this, but I feel like it almost, like, reduced, uh, like, severity in Capricorn for me, so it's possible for Mercury and Mars to sort of play with those boundaries with a little more ease, at least in my, like, not, yeah, I feel like it has felt a little easier to avoid um transgressing boundaries in a very severe way for me yeah that thank you for saying that because that tracks for me too and i like i mean yeah i feel like we're back to the family system of vibes because i'm like just thinking <laughs> about like how far out pluto is in the planetary like network of planets 
that revolve around the sun. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Pluto's like way back there and has like left house. And like, I can imagine that reverb having an effect on planets that are like closer to the sun um, mm. more earlier than maybe like later planets of like antiquity. And so I'm just like, mm. there's like, I don't know, like I'm kind of like cross-referencing these patterns. And I'm like, that really attracts. I, I'd say the same for myself personally, where I feel like I haven't necessarily, maybe it's not affecting my Mercury as much, but I feel like my relationship to Mars and action and asserting boundaries and like also enjoying the space within created by like the protection of those boundaries has been like really like something I've been like relishing in lately. Yeah. Something about the way you described that, which made me think about like what it's like inside the house when the wolf's no no longer outside the window. (laughs) Oh, wait. Say, can you say that again? Like if I imagine Pluto is like the wolf outside the window and then like (laughs) Pluto just sort of like leaves the window, then it kind of changes the atmosphere of what's happening inside the room. Totally. With the three little pigs? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, maybe they're not as afraid anymore. <laughs> it's the three pigs of Venus, Mars, and Mercury, basically. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, like, I haven't really thought about Venus being in the same tropical... I mean, it's in the same science, ideally, as well, huh? Mm-hmm. Sorry, Julie, were you going to say something? Oh, I, I was just going to say, um, it's like they're not being surveilled anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has Venus been showing up for y'all in this? Yeah, this is actually my, my Venus return. Which what? Is, yeah. Which I felt like it like snuck up on me. I like checked a couple weeks ago and then I was like, oh, like this is going to be. Like during my birthday, leading up to my birthday. But yeah, I feel like it's been it's been pretty loud for me. I think you were saying like how the time around your birthday is usually kinda heavy, so has it been helping to you know, give levity to that? Yeah, actually I feel like usually what like carries into my birthday has like dissipated a little bit sooner Mm. than like previous years Mm. which i feel i'm grateful for and it feels like yeah i feel like it's kind of like a tying of ends of like a certain pattern that has showed up in my life for some time Mm. Not that like Yeah, I feel like Venus returns tend to have that effect for me too. Yeah. I also like I had the epiphany of like oh I I feel like this like or what could be contributing to why I usually feel like that around my birthday is like I I think we've talked about this before, maybe not on the podcast, but like having um the sun in the eighth house. And just like what the eighth house like encompasses of just like rebirth and 
destruction Mm -hmm. in my opinion um Mm -hmm. and just like overall like hiddenness um Mm. it just like made sense in my head i'm like oh so that's why that's why i feel tender (laughs) on my birthday and on my like solar returns my my yeah my son's in the eighth house as well and i always used to get sick when i was a kid around my birthday Mm. i would experience that too actually yeah (laughs) happy bash day (laughs) Um, but yeah I i think like for me like venus being in the same sign as mercury and mars while they're conjunct has sort of helped also with that like levity when it comes to i want to say like playing with boundaries um Mm -hmm. and i feel like the boundaries have been like played with in a way which in some ways i wouldn't say it's necessarily loving but it feels like conducive towards establishing like loving relations for me Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i feel like there's like an arena set up to like lovingly duke it out like if these are like all brothers kind of hearkening back to the example that was presented earlier i'm like it's like a good old backyard fight but with no weapons and no gloves it's just like (laughs) it feels yeah like good spirited breaking of like old ways old relational Mm. ways in particular because i also i've been dreaming a lot about my exes and Mm. i don't miss them but it's like giving me a lot to process it's like material you know where i'm like whoa that's a different perspective to the same circumstance i lived through Mm. and being able to like yeah like there's this levity i feel like in the air that's like oh well i don't want to do that that way anymore and it's like easier to like move forward Mm -hmm. in my opinion you know what what just came up when we were talking and i i think it's probably because you said something about like no gloves is um yeah, I mean, Mercury and Mars and how it reflects on what's been going on with Nicki Minaj and Nick and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. Great segue. <laughs> I feel like that represents the collective psyche right now, or like the collective higher heart, I should say, right now. <laughs> so. Oh. <laughs> but I'm holding space. I don't want to anchor that read too much, but yeah, I think that's a great segue to this topic. <laughs> and this is the first night I was in Dublin, I saw two girls in a fist fight, but it felt loving somehow. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but it was like... <laughs> I was just walking down the street and like, I don't know why, but it made me feel safer. Like... Wow. Because, <laughs> because like it wasn't totally out of control. It was like you could tell that like they were really good friends and like they just really needed to like get some shit off their chest. And like wow. respect. <laughs> like, uh, do you want to put the predictions in the predictions channel about Nicki Minaj and Meg? <laughs> Are they gonna end up being really good friends? <laughs> I think the world would love to see it. Maybe Nikki will teach Meg how to rap. Um. <laughs> Drag her. 
<laughs> by hook or by crook. I did have a topic in the pins about similarities between hip hop and spirituality. I don't know if I'm forcing it by bringing it into the arena right now, but I'm kind of curious if anything kind of comes up for y'all. I'm exercising so much restraint because I feel like hip hop and spirituality have so many intersections. And I was like, <laughs> like where do I start? Let's hear them. <laughs> I would love to I would love to explore this truly, really and truly. We can explore it every week if you want. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like a series or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think like on a superficial level at least like most of the hip hop I've been listening to since I was like 14 years old like explicitly refers to deity worship <laughs> and chakras and the subtle body and also i won't say like conspiracy theories but i'll say like looking at reality from a lens which is not necessarily only influenced by what people um mm -hmm. observe in material reality <laughs> yeah i would say that aligns for me too like yeah, when I think back about it, I do feel like a lot of some of my spirituality definitely has been influenced by hip hop, I think. For sure. And also talking about space. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of like nonfiction, which I don't know if like that's going to be like grounds to get me cancelled again by somebody else, but. You know, like, exit the Stargate, initial perception quickens my heart rate. This planet Earth only orbits one star. <laughs> you know? Let's go. Um, but yeah, I guess, like, the other thing which kind of comes up for me, and I think this has been sort of, like, germinated by the conversation about what's been happening with Nikki and Meg and the music channel, is just, like, like, I want to say, I don't know, I'll say like, like hygienic gatekeeping. Oh. How so? Like, you know, like esoteric codes, like, like mm -hmm. saying things without saying them mm -hmm. or saying things by alluding to symbolic systems, which you can only understand if you've like been in certain cultures for a decent amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, you know, this kind of probably relates to having and sharing and cultivating perspectives which are not <clears throat> beholden to, like, the matrix of consensus reality. And, mm -hmm. Because I think, like, often these perspectives are not super safe, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think it speaks to, like, how a lot of those codes germinate, like, quote unquote on the streets or quote unquote in the ghettos. And like <laughs> there is there is like some sort of um kind of like mentorship that happens in like hip hop or lack of mentorship that kind of defines like the artist's experience. And I also feel like um the path of the artist tends to also 
kind of matriculate a lot of members that end up being in the hip hop world. So I'm like, which came first? Is it the chicken or the egg? Either way, people are eating. Um, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like they cross paths heavy. I really do. You just reminded me that like the first time I had this Ethiopian dish where you have like a chicken drumstick and a hard boiled egg in the same dish, <laughs> I was fucking scandalized. I was like, what? Like you got the whole family. <laughs> that is spicy, both literally yeah. and metaphorically. Hmm. <laughs> Wow. Uh, something's happened to my crown, so I'll just like hold space for a second. Anna says, I feel like it's very rooted in lineage as well. Totally. We were just talking about how beer got put on by Pharrell. <laughs> how I feel like Pharrell-like emanations sort of, you know, like, were they there? Is that why, like, he picked her up? Or are they there because of the influence of his work? Or is it, like, a little bit of both? But I think, like, that to me is, like, maybe, like, a more accessible example of what lineage looks like for a lot of people than, say what happens in like Sufi lineages, right? Mm -hmm. Or even Buddhist lineages. Definitely. And I feel like that's what, I mean, of course, on one level, in my opinion, it's what's co coloring the beef between like Nikki and Meg. But on mm. another level, I think it speaks to like the cultural landscape of hip hop. Because it's mm -hmm. even in that particular context, like Nikki got her robes so to speak from like wayne who also mm. gave his robes to like drake and like um tyga i think and like he, wayne was given his flowers by birdman which is contentious but nevertheless mm. i'm just speaking to like lineage and then it's like um young money or no cash money was like the genesis of like birdman which was like um populated by like rappers like juvenile and then it's like there are singers like Frank Ocean who reference Ju Juvie and like Frank Ocean's in the camp of like Beyonce and Jay-Z. So it's like, yeah, there's definitely like these links that I, I agree. I think they feel more ripe, like ripe and also visible examples of lineage than like what people are like able to like trace. So and I feel like. I mean, I'm 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 feeling right now that they're also like more hygienic for the most part. Mm -hmm. Like the way that lineage shows up and can be sort of I want to say polyphonic and polyrhythmic in hip hop feels yeah. healthier to me than how it often shows up in spirituality, right? Where it's like, oh, like no, this is my peer, um, not peers and like P E E R, but like father. <laughs> or, oh my god. You know, I'm part of the lineage of this papa, which, you know, like, sounds a lot like father when it comes to, like, the Catholic Church. And, like, you don't go outside of that, right? Like, you mm -hmm. don't have a lot of, like, Catholics who are um, also attending rituals with pagans, like, especially pagans. Hello. <laughs> even though 
most of those rituals got brought into Catholicism from pagans. Um, and also pagans weren't pagans until Catholics started calling them pagans. But um like <laughs> <Lock> that tea. <laughs> but I think um yeah, in some ways like the German the Germination is a lot healthier, I'd say, in um musical cultures and religious cultures in my experience. And then I was kind of thinking about the beef between um well I would I would hesitate to even say that like Megan brought like beef because it was pretty whack to me. But um you know, like some people might look at that and be like, Oh, like, well, isn't that a sign that like there are sort of uh, maladaptive outcomes of lineage in hip hop? But then I kind of think about like the maladaptive outcomes of lineage and religion as well. <laughs> it's like on a way bigger scale. Absolutely often like way less visible to the public and therefore less um i want to say like porous to like how the public responds and in that way you know i wouldn't say that like what's happening between like rappers who beef is quote democratic unquote but i do think it's influenced by public opinion mm -hmm. in ways that don't really play out when it comes to like nation state warfare which is sort of like driven by religious discrepancies and opinion behind the scenes in the sense that like hip-hop is like more transparent you mean yeah mm -hmm. even when it even when a lot of like what is understood in the public happens through the transmission of like esoteric codes you know absolutely yeah Yeah, and it's interesting because I think that same dynamic creates the sanctity around music, like similar to religion, but it's more like a free market in the music mm. world. And like you said, like polyrhythmic in the sense that there are ebbs and flows. Like even this, like for me, I'm like looking at this Megan Nikki beef as like a cultural moment where it's like Nikki kind of wants one thing or like in the sense that she wants to be praised for the lanes that she created in hip hop for people like sure. Meg and Cardi to like be where they are. And then also like Meg and Cardi, I think, um, who's not really centered in this beef, but I think what Meg is asking for is like a level of like respect and privacy, which is also fair, but I think it <laughs> reflects like um, some sort of like, yeah, like a ripple in the social cosmos in terms of like maybe how, how gatekeeping um, can look and then how, like, transparency, I feel, I feel like that's what's coming through for me. Like, transparency isn't the worst thing in the world. Mm. And I think it creates a more healthier, like, uh, potential or, like, pathways for, yeah, like, just generative pathways for anybody who's involved in the circumstance, even if it's beef, I think. Mm. When, it's, when it's beef, it's a better example of how things are handled. And I'm like, look, like they're beefing, like no one's dying, no one's getting hurt. Like <laughs> it's literally like wordplay. But I think that that's like the esoteric side of it that still gets to be um, played with by the public op opinion while also like maintaining, yeah, like a little, a level of like sanctity because of um, the relationship that either both people have with their fans or mm. like, yeah, like what side of the public gets to see what's happening. And I, I also feel like it's okay for people to like 
have public opinion because a lot of people are also like y'all shouldn't be on the internet arguing about this and i'm like i think i'd rather people like argue about nikki and meg as opposed to like arguing with their families (laughs) like you know like creating (laughs) ruptures with their families so i'm like you know sometimes there are better outlets um is kind of like what i'm walking away with Mm, i really appreciate you bringing in um you know like meg's perspective on you know, perhaps asking for like respect and privacy, because I was kind of reflecting on how that's not necessarily something which I would see in like beef between male rappers. And then I was also reflecting on like, again, like the parallels with religion and spirituality Mm -hmm. when it comes to like, yeah, like what right do you have to respect and privacy when you make your money? by being a public figure i think like that's kind of i mean i think like definitely some rights but i think when it comes to like um you know like making your money as a public figure by being someone who's associated with a craft Mm -hmm. and i feel like this is like really close to home for me as a spiritual practitioner because i feel like maybe i'm called to give awareness to like um like you know like which parts of the spectrum i traverse when it comes to like revering other traditions and holding space for many different traditions but also being very serious about what i think spiritual practice is Mm -hmm. um and you know like in some ways like which side of the spiritual war i'm on (laughs) totally totally yeah and um yeah like i think um again like we've i think we've been talking about like this idea that it's possible that there is like a hygienic or an aligned or divine form of gatekeeping um (laughs) which i think relates to like yeah i mean i think like some of the lines that get drawn the spiritual war for me um you know like with I think with like Nikki and Meg, it's like, can you actually rap or not? Or like, how heavily do you p- depend upon ghostwriters? Because I think we all know that most rappers use ghostwriters from time to time, at least. Um, <laughs> but like in spiritual circles, for me, it's like, do you actually end up having better relations with spiritual and non spiritual people? Or, you know, are you only able to have peace if you can completely control your environment and control your relationships or isolate yourself from relationships by being, say, like a monk or something, right? Yeah. I think it's like one of those lines for me. Um, you know, do the people who practice in your lineage end up feeling like they have more freedom and power and authority over themselves or do they give more of it away? Mm. Um, and I think like these are like really interesting um, kind of spaces for me to move around because I think overall I more or less agree with like this idea of um, like non-interference between sovereign beings, but I also feel like there's this paradox of tolerance thing that you know people reference Karl Popper for. Or it's like if some if somebody's interfering with you in some ways, or the proliferating proliferating doctrine which interferes with um like your lineages, 
or the proliferating doctrine which interferes with material reality in a way which makes it more challenging mm. to live in an aligned way, then sometimes you have to interfere to reduce interference overall, you know? Definitely. Maybe it's a bit of a stretch to say that Nikki's trying to do this for the craft of hip-hop, but... <laughs> I, I feel like she is. Like, that's been the crux of her argument. And I also feel like it's the crux of a lot of, like... Like, I'm thinking about the Black Panther Party now, which is, like, mm. maybe pivot, but I think was really connected to hip-hop. And I think they talked about how, like, a doctrine of nonviolence, while mm. like, violence is ongoing, is, like, absurd, basically. And I'm paraphrasing mm -hmm. heavily. But I did, I actually came across that quote this week and I was like, wow, like that is very affirming, especially considering like, yeah, like the spiritual climate and like this, the spiritual war. And I often, I often feel that in like sessions and often feel that like just talking to people, like, but it also relates to like um, a part of hip hop that I think a lot of people are familiar with, which is like the cypher where people like mm. gather like murder each other on the mic and it's like that's <laughs> the point and i think about that often in spiritual work where it's like if if you know one lineage or somebody who practices from a particular lineage allows the proliferation of of their lineage to depend on distortions as opposed to like its authentic stream of gnosis i feel mm. like that's kind of the dynamic where you kind of just have to kind of grab the mic and do what it do you know like drop the mic on other people, metaphorically speaking. And I think that maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a message that like Mars has for us is like there is a way to sort of create guardrails that have a way for people to look in and out, but not like cross those those lines of demarcation, if that makes sense. And I'm I'm the type of person who's very iffy about borders altogether, but I think borders are different than boundaries. Because um, mm. I also am thinking about like an example of like livestock that my dad talks about often, where he's like, you know, like animals are animals and like people are people and they mingle and they have this like really, really close relationship. But at the same time, like you don't let your sheep sleep in the bed with you. And I think that pastoral wisdom like kind of applies here too. Um, mm. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess like the other thing that was coming up for me, which I think I talk about a lot, and maybe I'm talking about too much now, is just the difference between nonviolence and harm reduction. Mm -hmm. Like one of them is very black and white, and the other I think like allows for shades of grey. And I think you know attitudes of nonviolence ultimately often lead to like more violence overall because people want to look at things in black and white, and. I think they fail to recognize that sometimes a little bit of violence can reduce violence overall. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously like, it's obviously like a really tricky zone, right? Because I think a lot of nation states, if we want to talk about nation states, use preemptive attacks as a form of defense. And then you can <laughs> also argue that the lack of trust which comes about or maybe already existed, but gets exacerbated through preemptive attacks makes it like a really blurry line. When, um, you know, like perhaps people are preemptively attacking other people wow. because they don't have trust that they aren't going to be attacked, but then that ends up reinforcing a dynamic of attacking. Definitely. Um, but I also feel like 
yeah, like a lot of times, like venting things like verbally or in a humorous way um, can reduce violence overall. You know, going back to what Anna was saying about like a fist fight between two people who love each other <laughs> and just need to duke it out can, you know, cut cords and create space for a more loving relationship. And I think there's also like this meme which goes around, at least in like my online circles about like cultures i think they're in like peru where at the end of the year people who have beef with each other just like fight and then they have drinks together and then they're like all good again <laughs> i kind of love that i feel like yeah. that's proactive in a generative direction yeah i feel i feel like it also reminds people that there's actually consequences for beef you know in ways that are like maybe not super destructive yeah and you know i think these are all sort of like different gradations of violence which ultimately lead to a reduction in harm um but then you know like kind of going back to what i was saying about like this kind of gray area i mean i think that's like i think life is like mostly gray right and i think like for me like i was asking earlier on twitter this week um you know, like, why are you trying to become psychic or, like, what do you think the value of being psychic is? And, like, I haven't answered because I just wanted to hold space to see what other people said. But I think one of the reasons is so that I can navigate gray zones um, with refinement, you know, and not, let's say, like, using, like, logical filters, which tend to be black and white and I would say easily distortable. Um, in ways that I'd say tend to reify things that we don't want. Um, but yeah. Hmm. Anna says, "What did Kwame Ture say? What is nonviolence when your opponent has no conscience?" Well, wow. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people are like way too triggered by the idea that an opponent might not have conscience or you know, may not. <laughs> I want to say also to allow for an opponent not having conscience or consciousness in a given context, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like pretty foolish to believe that. Um, yeah, like we're always dealing with regulated or grounded or centered actors, especially when it comes to conflict. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that what you said earlier too about consequences was really, really alive for me yesterday. I won't go into the details, but I was teaching at a school with middle schoolers and I think that says enough. And I remember one of the points that I made being that, that like, y'all got to realize that some of your actions have consequences. And I think that saying it out loud also helped, like it reverberated back in, into me where I was just like, huh. like, and it helped me account for like all those moments. I remember the moment they got to their work and they were like able to reset. I like went into my phone and started journaling and I was like, yo, like, I am reflecting heavily on the times where like I did do things or acted without conscious and how like usually the moment that I become lucid is when I'm like faced with a consequence. And a lot of people are like, 
karma ah but i'm like yeah like that's kind of how it works though like like in the sense that if my expectations for me personally for like youngers and younger people is to have conscientiousness then um i think for me it's only right that i expect that out of myself and also track the patterns um and become more mindful of that if i can you know if i can help it but i do think for me personally it's part of my refinement process to do that and i think that yeah i also agree with um the other thing that you said about getting more comfortable with the fact that certain actors might be acting out of unconscientiousness has also been like a growth edge for me personally but but definitely feels a little bit easier um considering like the cosmic climate right now hmm. do you want to say more about how the cosmic climate is bringing ease to that process of refinement for you i feel like it's helping me like feel more compassionate towards like every role that everyone's playing um mm. cosmic orchestra where like like even myself as what well, like in that pool of people um but then it's also helping me like have like a more responsive compassionate lens towards what i'm what i'm seeing as opposed to like compassion that's which i think we've talked about this word in the broom that's like flaccid that's like oh mm. I'm just going to feel bad and pity that person or pity myself. And I don't, I don't think that has the same generative affect for me as opposed to like, you know, exercising compassion and then also asking myself, like, what can I do differently next time? Or like, how can I apply whatever wisdom is like crystallized in my awareness? Even if it's like me just being like, I was down bad for that. As opposed to like going into a shame spiral. I feel like the climate right now, yeah, like how we talked about with levity and also like the ability to like redefine these boundaries from like a lexical lens or like a um, physical exerting lens, I think f- feels more available right now, um, especially considering like what Venus, Mercury and Mars um, are doing, in my opinion. I see. Mm-hmm. Well. I'm feeling called to like sort of move into like some of the pins or like the administrivia in the roundup channel, but I definitely want to hold space if there are feel you know some things you guys want to round up about this conversation. But I feel like you kind of tied it up pretty nicely for me. And also, none of the buttons in Discord are working very consistently for me. (laughs) Join the broom. You'll be in an app called Discord, which works sometimes. Um, (laughs) I can look at the pins if you'd like. No, it's all good. Um, I wanted to like give a shade to Adam Archetype becoming a tender because I feel like that happened this week. Like it happened on Thursday last week, right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm really stoked to see Adam or well, Adam Archetype on Twitter become a tender in the broom. Um, Yay! I really, I, I mean, I appreciate. Something that's coming up for me right now is how often 
Adam starts like the archetypal hour recordings by talking about how he welcomes people to interrupt him. Because like for me, like I'll say like growing up as a kid, it was very triggering to be interrupted. But I also grew up in a family where people are always interrupting each other. And I feel like I also figured out how to enjoy it to an extent. Um, but I think it kind of speaks to something I really appreciate about Adam, which is that I think like we come from like very, very different perspectives in some ways, but I think there is like a shared appreciation for like disagreement and like working things out by, you know, like in some ways, like I want to say like having blades meet. <laughs> and I think Adam's like, I don't know, like for me, Adam comes across like way nicer than I do. Um, but I also feel like that kind of like, I want to say like genetic code of the broom as a place where people like collaboratively refine by being honest, I want to say about um, where they stand and also being open to changing where they stand based on how they're reflected and refracted in shared spaces. Um, is very much alive in like the way he comports himself. So I guess like that's my little spiel for <laughs> Adam becoming a tenter. <laughs> Not this feel. <laughs> I mean, I typed up something pretty long and I could read it out, but I don't want to. I will just say that that all aligns for me and that, yeah, I'm I'm glad that Adam is, is part of this cohort that's um, tending the broom. I'm glad he's here. Hopefully and I will so. say, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <we're laughs> I was just saying, like, I'm wondering how he makes sense of how we're organizing everything right now, because it's pretty... I know. We're in a transitional phase, as always. As always. Yeah, I know. I've been appreciating his, like, questions and how he's been kind of, like, asking the right questions that, I don't know, for me, it's, like, helping me stay on my toes a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate it. And I also agree, like, um, the lineage differences. I feel like it's, yeah, it's, like you said, part of the genetic code. Like, I kind of expect it now in the broom i expected in the world a little bit so um yeah it's been it's been fun to parlay i'll say i wonder if anna says in the chat still haven't figured out how to not interrupt yeah that shit triggers me too man Yeah, I mean, I think it's particularly difficult on the internet. <laughs> Agreed. But I feel like there are kind of, I mean, definitely like going back to what we were talking about with like harm reduction, like, you know, there are definitely contexts where I think like you need to interrupt people, especially if they've been drinking a little bit too much and they're not even aware of the fact they've been going on for too long. Um, <laughs> but I think also like if you interrupt and like you have uh you know people who are graceful with you but also like it's clear that there is some level of i want to say like contrition about it i don't really use that word very often so i'm really interested in why i'm using it then it's easier whereas like i would say like in my family a lot of the time people are callously interrupting and not even knowing it and it just becomes really difficult for anybody to have like a conversation which goes for a certain amount of time 
can relate. <laughs> it's like sometimes we do have some things we actually need to resolve, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like there's some real shit to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like grew up in a family of like jokesters. And so it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's a different <laughs> geometry, but very similar. Where I'm like, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. <laughs> um yeah so you know thank you adam for stepping up to help us tend the broom and also publish the broom radio podcast um i guess i'm gonna look at the pins again and see if there's anything else up on the agenda oh there is a topic that someone brought up about i think it can comes from ahmed asking about precognitive dreams and whether they pop up more literally or figuratively but i feel like it's a huge topic that i think like it's maybe like another one of those topics where we could probably do like a specific container on them um Mm -hmm. and i guess like as far as like administrative stuff type goes um there is a pin in here about just like doubling down, I'll just read it out. Intrepid bodies, Hoda says, doubling down on the commons, being free to use radio as a broadcast space. I love that you use commons there because I feel like there's a way that people could take it where it's like, oh, like there's commoners and then there's tenders, there's the elite and then there's the hoi polloi. But I feel like what you're saying here is that like there really is no boundary between like, you know, people who are holding regular containers and people who are just like members of the part and therefore able to unmute and speak in the radio as a broadcast space and you know uh thanks to anna for like facilitating gaia holding a listening session which i would have loved to have made it to but i think it was like three o'clock in the morning for me and then there was also a listening session that agnew put together which um i also didn't get to attend and uh, you know, Agnew decided to leave the broom, which I don't know if anybody wants to talk about. But in general, I would say that, um, yeah, I think if anybody wants to use the radio space, I'd love for more people to put together like playlists and hold listening sessions because I feel like, you know, as we've been talking about already, like music can be like a really great lens. Um, well, I won't say it's primarily a great lens for talking about spirituality, but I think it's like a really great way for people to find themselves in what they might call like more spiritual modes of being or just more comfortable modes of being, which can also create space for being more attuned with themselves and other people. And also it's really fun. So I'm hoping one on Friday. Oh, okay. Hopefully it's not at 4 o'clock in the morning for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's at 8 p.m. EST. 8 p.m. EST, so it's at... I think. 9 (laughs) a.m. in the morning for me, maybe. Um, We'll see. But... um, Yeah, it's at 8 p.m. Yeah. Oh, I think I can't make it because I'm going abalone fishing for the first time as an officially Ooh. licensed recreational abalone fisher person. Um, Congrats! That was so long. <laughs> there was there was no no skill test or learning process involved. Um, Is it like but, a protected um, species or something? 
yeah like the fisheries mm. department in western australia is like pretty good i think about right. getting people to respect populations of mm. ecosystems nice. that we rely upon for food and recreation and joy de vivre um but yeah i think i also want to give a shade to like pod rock for putting together i think a vote right now for making it easier for people to jump onto radio and then just like queue up some tunes and then maybe talk about them and share them with other people so if y'all want more information about that then probably just like pop into the server help channel and ask I'd love to hear what y'all were listening to and maybe talk about it a little bit and maybe talk about it from a spiritual perspective <laughs> or at least like a healing perspective. I don't, I don't want to make it seem as if like everything has to be all serious and, <laughs> you know, in alignment with sacred texts because I feel like that's really only probably about 20% of what happens in the broom. To be I honest. mean, if spirituality needs to be serious, then I'm kind of, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Bye. See you later. Unless you think of Nicki Minaj fuck the club off as a spiritual text, then yeah, it is. <laughs> Joined the room yesterday. <laughs> y'all. Well, I don't know how y'all feel about rounding up roundup for now. Feels good. Yeah. 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 Lexi, do you want to tell Craig to fuck off? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Peace, y'all. Join the broom. Join the broom. And um, yeah, let's talk about hip hop and beef. Peace, peace, peace. I'm going to tell Craig.